0: Now reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning at verse 26. Listen closely. This continues to be the Word of God. As the soldiers led Jesus away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked Jesus. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The Roman soldiers conscript a man named Simon who may have been a pilgrim having come to Jerusalem for the feast, for the Passover celebration. The soldiers make this Simon carry Jesus' cross because they, the soldiers, had beaten, whipped, scourged Jesus, the carpenter, to the point that he could no longer carry his own cross. So the soldiers got a pilgrim to carry it for him and to carry it for them. And now for the second time in a week, Jesus was the main attraction of a parade of sorts through the streets of Jerusalem, though this time was so, so different. This time, the first time the air was filled with cries of joy, this time the air was heavy with cries of grief. The first time the shouts were of praise, this time the shouts are of mockery the first shouts lifted Jesus up the second set were meant to tear him down what a difference a few days make where are the people who just a few days later had waved tree branches in Jesus honor and laid their own cloaks on a donkey and its colt, and then on the streets of Jerusalem like a red carpet to welcome the one whom they said and declared and shouted, comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. But now the cries of Hosanna had been replaced with sneers that all but drowned out the wailing of some women bringing up the rear. It's hard for me to really imagine the more I read this and get into it and listen and sit and soak, it's hard for me to imagine how horrible this event was, how horrible this scene was. Our society today would have no concept. We treat even the worst criminals with more dignity than the king received that day. And I'm never ready for verse 33. And then all of a sudden, we're there. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus. Three words. They crucified Jesus. That's it. The soldiers put the cross on the ground. They laid Jesus on top of it. They probably bound his wrists and his feet, his ankles, his legs with rope or twine to the cross. And then a a Roman soldier... Drives a nail through Jesus' feet. And then maybe he or another soldier takes a turn driving nails through the hands or the wrists of Jesus. Bam, bam, bam. And then several of the soldiers working together hoisted up that cross on which Jesus now hung and placed it in a hole in the ground where it would remain for hours. And there Jesus hung. We have these crosses, we rare crosses, we put crosses on the walls in our homes, we wear them as jewelry, always as lovely pieces that inspire us, that we find comfort and delight in, but there was nothing pretty. It was all ugly that day. And all of a sudden we find ourselves no longer in a children's book but instead something really only suitable for adult audiences and even unbearable for many adults to face or want to face. And had Jesus been like you and me and had Jesus been an ordinary human being, had Jesus even been an extraordinary human being, he would have been filled with bitterness, anger, resentment, disdain toward the men who had been torturing him and who had just crucified him. But Jesus was not merely a human being. And so he uttered, he spoke, he announced, he claimed, he asked, he begged, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus came to the defense of those who had been mocking him. Jesus advocated for the the ones who had just moments earlier been driving nails through his hands and feet. In a moment of literally excruciating pain, Jesus pleads to his father to have mercy on these heartless, ruthless soldiers, which when we think about it, is exactly what Jesus had been doing all along. In the Gospel of Mark at the beginning of chapter 2, so very early in Jesus' ministry, really right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, four men have a friend who's paralyzed. And they want to get this paralyzed man, their friend, to Jesus who has been healing people of different maladies and illnesses and conditions. But they can't get to Jesus because the crowd is too big. And so through a hole in the roof, they lower their friend right to the feet of Jesus who can't avoid Jesus. Seeing, interacting, coming face to face with this man. And what does Jesus do right there at the beginning of Mark's gospel? He declares, I forgive you, your sins are forgiven to the man who is paralyzed. And just so that everyone gathered there knew that he had the authority and the power, the right on behalf of God and as God to forgive sin, Jesus heals the man of his paralysis And the man stands up so that everyone can know that Jesus had the authority and the will, the intent, the desire to forgive and forgive and forgive. Sometime later, over in John's Gospel, a group of very religious men brought to Jesus a woman who had apparently been caught in the act of adultery. We don't know how she was caught, we don't know who caught her, nor do these men seem interested in also bringing to Jesus the man who presumably also was caught in adultery. Luke writes, They made the woman stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And Jesus bent over and began to write with his finger in the dirt. And the religious men continued to question Jesus, and they demanded a response from the silent Savior. And Jesus stood up and said to these very religious men, whoever among you does not need to be forgiven. Whoever among you does not need to be forgiven may go ahead and throw the first stone. You can go ahead and stone her. And again, Jesus stooped down to write in the dirt. And one by one, starting with the oldest of those men, they dropped their stones, clunk, clunk, clunk to the ground and walked away. Maybe starting with the oldest because they had the longest list, a lifetime of sin that needed to be forgiven. Jesus didn't just get to the cross and there begin to forgive people, to forgive people's sin, but rather that was his mission from the very beginning. And so Jesus stood up and asked the woman rhetorically, who remains to condemn you? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Forgiven. 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 But a person might object and say, I've never done anything to Jesus that I would need his forgiveness. I've never sinned against Jesus. But as we learn from David in Psalm 51, all of our sin is in one sense against God, against the Lord, against Jesus, because God is creator and because all things belong to God. Before anything was, God was, God was there and God was creating in his holiness, righteousness, intelligence, omnipotence, supremacy, and in his love and goodness, God was at work creating and everything that God created reflected his character and was good. He created hands for doing good, eyes for seeing good, tongues for speaking good. And you and I every day of our lives violate the God who created us and all things good. The things that we sometimes do with our hands or with our minds or with our tongues or with our eyes. The words that we speak, the actions that we take. And so when a person sins or misuses something that God has made and that was good and that God made for good, That person betrays God, misuses God's good things, offends the creator, artist, master, poet, maker, to whom all things still belong. When we say things with our lips that are not good and that are not consistent with God's character, then we offend God. We offend the God who made all things good. We offend, we violate. we transgress against God himself. Sort of like if you hurt one of my children, whom I dearly love, you would be at the same time hurting me. And in a world that by its very laws requires demands justice because its maker is righteous and just, someone must pay. The scales must be balanced. Sin must be atoned for. Debts must be paid. As a nation, we've taken on $2 trillion in debt in the recent weeks in response to the economic collapse due to coronavirus. Someone will eventually have to pay back that debt. There are some who today want the government to forgive all the college debt that's been accrued in our country in recent years because for some that debt has become too great for them to ever pay back on their own. But for the government to forgive all of that debt, someone, somewhere, sometime, somehow through the government will have to pay back those debts. And it works the same way with the sins we've committed and the moral debt That each one of us has incurred just like those religious men who brought to Jesus this woman. And so we plead, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. And so along comes God in the flesh, Jesus into our world on a mission to straighten out and to straighten up. To straighten the crooked lines that have gotten out of order, bent, broken, disfigured. Mangled, that are everywhere. But the hurt is so deep and so pervasive that it can't just be put back in place because things have changed in their very nature. The effects of the offense or the offenses have been so deep that more is required than just putting things back in order. What is needed is this cosmic great forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. And that was the mission that Jesus came with. A mission not only to die and to so atone for our sin in some great cosmic transaction of him paying our debt, but also to announce forgiveness, to uh, bring forgiveness into relationships, to model forgiveness, to open up to a whole world that's broken and can never get back into place with its God. A grace that says, I'm taking care of it this time. I've got it covered. All of it. Recently watched uh, the movie about Jackie Robinson and had the opportunity to see how Jackie Robinson, the first African American, the first Negro man to be recruited out of the Negro Leagues to into Major League Baseball. And he was selected and picked because he had this upstanding character. Because he could navigate the course that would be right and required because he could stand up to the ridicule that he would undoubtedly receive. And there's a scene in which in his first major league game, the manager from the other team just stands there outside of his dugout while Jackie Robinson is in the batter's box for the first time. And he's calling him awful words, just pouring sin upon sin upon sin at him. To taunt him, mock him, ridicule him, bring him down. And Jackie Robinson resists with everything he's got. in taking his bat and going over to that man and doing justice. But what Jackie Robinson can't do is forgive. In the way that Jesus forgave while he was being mocked, tortured, crucified. Father, forgive them. Out of a well so deep we can't imagine ourselves because we have never experienced or lived in that because we react to hurt and offense differently. But Jesus' reaction is to bring all things back together. There is no other way. There is no way that the debts that we have incurred can be paid for. And Jesus wants reconciliation. The Father wants reconciliation and chooses to do that Through Jesus. And so as John cried out at the beginning of his gospel. John the Baptist. Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We look to Jesus hanging on a cross today. Speaking not just to the soldiers. Not just to the criminal on his right and the criminal on his left. But to all of the world. Pleading on their behalf. Our behalf to the Father. Forgive them. For they do not know what they have done. They do not know what they are doing. They do not understand. And what I find remarkable about this passage is there's no repentance required. There's no recognition. There's no prayer of confession. Jesus' will and the will of the Father is to rescue and redeem people even if and as they are unable to ask for it. Because that's how much the God of the universe Loves his creation. Father, forgive them. Bring them home. Welcome them home. This is our hope. Amen.